All right, maybe I'm a rube, but I still marvel at the connectedness of the world. And so, for example, this morning I texted Adam Goldenberg, who occasionally appears here on News Talk 1010, and asked him if he wanted to come out and play golf this afternoon. And he wrote back and said, it's a little far away. I'm in Istanbul. I went, okay. And then I was texting with Adam Zivo, who is in Odessa. And I just got a text from my brother, who apparently is in Zurich. Uh, but he's on his way. I'm all excited. My brother is coming for a visit to Canada. Haven't seen him in a good long time. And uh, looking forward to uh, doing dinner tonight with my brother, who lives in Geneva. Okay, so let's talk with a guy who's actually local. At least, I hope so. Uh, Dan Riskin is here, our science expert for Test Tube Thursday. Nice to have have you good to talk to you even if i am just local i'm i am in toronto yeah no that's okay but i mean again the technology is incredible thanks to covid you know uh, i can talk to somebody anywhere in the world and it sounds like they're in live in studio i don't think sometimes the listeners have any idea that we're not here yeah, it is. It is really amazing. Actually, I was just talking to Joe about that offline about the, the the amazing improvement in quality when you have somebody who can use a good connection as opposed to a phone line. It really does feel like we're all just in the same room. Okay, so let's talk about a bat in the house, which sounds like a Margaret Atwood short story. Um, I would read that short story for yeah, sure. That well, of course, would be my favorite. Yeah, yeah um, that would be good. So you know, Joe's friend picked up a bat off the street and brought it home. Is that a good idea? No, it is not. And I was just arriving to a, uh, a field site four hours from Toronto where a friend of mine is doing bat research. And so I walked into a room with a whole bunch of bat researchers and said, oh, you'll never guess what my friend Joe's friend did. Um, if you find a bat outside, leave it outside. If it's where kids might come into contact with it, you might need to move it. But bats at this time of year do a thing called torpor. And torpor is basically like hibernating during the day to save energy. So when a bat, like today's a perfect example, right? It's cool outside. It's like 11 degrees Celsius or something like that. Um, if a bat has been active last night, it's going to find a place to hang out, like the side of a building or wherever on a, in a tree. It might be not the normal roost it goes to because it might be on its way to, it might be migrating at this time of year, heading towards a cave for hibernation or something like that. But it's cool. It's morning. And the bat says, okay, I'm going to save some energy. Instead of trying to burn energy to stay warm and keep my body at 37 degrees Celsius to stay active, I'm just going to let my body cool down to whatever the temperature is outside. And it cools down to 11 degrees Celsius and has the same temperature in its body as the temperature outside. And it hangs upside down on the side of a wall and it can't really do much because it's it's basically too cold and when it's ready to get active again at the end of the day it'll heat itself back up and then it'll be good to fly but when it's in that cold state which is called torpor it can't fly and so what happens is people say oh look a bat and then they poke it and it falls on the ground and they say oh it's sick it must have rabies something's wrong with it i'm going to rescue it i'm going to pick it up and bring it home just you should have left it alone is what you should have done but they bring it home and then it's still cold and then after about 20 minutes of trying it can heat itself up and then it flies around your house and you have a problem because you have a bat in the house this is not a hypothetical situation this happened apparently to joe's friend and i i don't know how it ended because i i gave that advice but i don't know that it was heated joe do you want to hop in yeah so two days ago when this was all happening she managed to get the bat into a hamster box and she was you know, based on the advice you had texted me, which was taken outside. Well, she did not do that. Oh, I'm going to talk to Toronto Wildlife, blah, blah, blah. And eventually it got 
out of the hamster cage and just started flapping around the entire apartment. And she sends this to me. She's like, oh, your friend was right. It must have been hibernating or whatever because now it's got the energy to escape. And I'm like, what part of put it outside when Dan said put it outside? Did you not understand here? So now it's flapping around her house and she's freaking out, putting the pets away or whatever. And it's spent 24 hours again hibernating somewhere in the house she finally catches it again i'm like so you're gonna put it outside oh no i'm gonna take it to the toronto wildlife i'm like what part of this (laughs) but at one point when she was trying to catch it yesterday evening she calls me up on video chat and she's like i can't find it how do i get it out and i'm like uh have you tried dressing up like the joker and the penguin <laughs> Which got me a nudge from the other side of the couch. Like, why would you talk to your friend this way? I cannot imagine uh, what it has to be like to have a bat flying around in the house because we got a mouse right now, but at least it can't fly. And, right. Well, I, yeah. It, it would not be calming. So, listen, the, the big thing is that your friend definitely needs to get rabies shots if she's come into contact with that bat, if she's touched it. It's very rare. It probably doesn't have rabies. The odds are that it's totally healthy and fine, but it's a wild animal. And rabies is a, such a serious disease that if you wait until you get symptoms to go to the doctor, you you may well die. So you really need to get preventative rabies shots if you've come close to a bat. At this stage, open a window and chase it out the window is the best you can do. Um, but uh, yeah, it's too bad it got to this because this is a problem of her own creation. Just leave wild animals alone is a great policy. Don't bring raccoons into your house. Don't bring bats into your house. <laughs> but I guess the, the whole thing is when I text the expert who says, this is what you should do, you should listen to the expert. Yeah. So is the, is the bat still in the house? I don't know. As as of 3 a.m. with the last text message, it was in the hamster box again oh, with God. a phone book on top of it. Super. Put the hamster box outside, take the lid off, and go to sleep. Like, seriously. <laughs> and then go get a rabies shot the next day. But if you just, if it's in the box and you take the lid off and you put it outside, you're fine. The battle go away. Okay, so let's talk Mozart. Yes. That's Mozart. Yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a modified version of Mozart for babies. Uh, it's from a, a an album for babies, and it was part of a study on cute little babies that had just been born, where they they do a thing at two days old where they take a little prick of the of the heel to get a little blood sample, and that makes babies cry sometimes. And you, the thing about babies when they're that young is you can't really tell how much pain they're in, and so they want to find ways to reduce the pain, but they can't ask the kid how much did that hurt on a scale of one to ten. So there there's this thing called a neonatal infant pain scale where they look at the, how the baby reacts, they look at the facial expressions, how much it cries, how its breathing patterns change, how much it moves its limbs, how alert it is, all these things to try to assess what the level of pain is for babies. And what they found in this study is that if they play the song that's behind us talking for 20 minutes uh, leading up to the pinprick, the baby shows less signs of pain than if you don't play music. And so this is kind of a cool finding and uh, maybe may become part of what uh, they use in hospitals going forward. They didn't test any other music, so it might work if you play Prodigy. I don't know, but uh, it definitely works for this track of this Mozart song for 100 babies, half of which got the music and half of which didn't. Interesting stuff. Okay. So, uh, more sleep could reduce impulsive behavior in children. 
Yeah, sleep is good for kids. And this is a study that shows why sleep is important for kids that are in stressful situations. When kids grow up in stressful situations, like there's crime in the neighborhood or there's fighting at home or, you know, they don't feel safe at school or they're bullied, whatever the, the situation, childhood can be very stressful. Um, when you're under more stress as a kid, you're more likely to show impulsive behaviors. And those impulsive behaviors can lead to problems downstream where you are more likely to commit crimes or get in fights or, or end up in trouble with the law for other reasons. So, so um, that connection between stress as a child and impulsive behaviors seems to be uh, modulated by how much sleep you get. And so the study, they've got this big data set of like 12,000 kids in the U.S. that are growing up and they give them all these surveys and they ask them about how safe they feel at school and whether there's crime in their neighborhood. And then they get data from their parents on how much sleep those kids are getting. And, and it shows that if kids are getting enough sleep, they're less impulsive when they're a little bit older. And so sleep is just really good for all kids, but especially in stressful environments. Thanks a lot for this. Good to have you this morning. Thank you. That's our science expert, Dan Riskin. He joins us Thursday mornings.